Um, I was going to uh, speak on the book of Malachi uh, this week, uh, just, uh, but I really felt um, we were, we've been away, a few of us, uh, Alice, Hannah and I and uh, Miriam uh, have been away. Uh, we, we went to uh, gather with other worship uh, leaders from uh, other MLG churches and we spent a lot of time talking about worship and doing some practice uh, but God really spoke to me really powerfully actually on the on the Friday night um, actually just just as I was we were just worshiping together I felt God really spoke to me um, and so I just want to bring uh, something of that I'm so sorry for Hannah and Miriam and Alice that were there uh, you might get some of the things that you heard uh, over the weekend but um, but I think it's important I feel that God has spoken to me I feel what it's what God has burdened me to say um, so I just it's not going to be the most polished sermon that you've ever heard this morning but hopefully it will speak the reality of God to our hearts because in the end that's what we need we don't need more teaching this morning uh, we don't need more information this morning what we need is the revelation of God through the Holy Spirit into our hearts that is what changes us uh, and makes us like Christ um, and, and so I suppose it's probably worth giving you a bit of a, a background um, to why I feel I want to speak on this subject as some of you may know um, uh, Karina and I are kind of teeth buddies. Um, Karina has suffered more than I have um, with her teeth, still ongoing. Um, I had a, a wisdom tooth infection. Uh, it must have been sort of last uh, end of March, April. Uh, and it was really, it was, I mean, I'm going to be honest, relative to other people's pain, it's probably not that great. Uh, but in my world, it was a big deal. And it was probably like about the worst pain that I can ever remember. And it just went on and on and on. And it just felt like it was never going to end. And I remember there was one, uh, it was, I think, Wednesday evening. I think Helen was out somewhere. And I just remember I almost broke down into tears, not so much because of the pain, but just because of this sense of when will this ever stop hurting. Uh, and and, uh, and do you know what happened? At that point, I, I realised something, uh, something happened in my soul uh, that it took me a while to, to really identify. But I realised at that point, uh, something broke inside of me uh, that was not good. Uh, and I realised that I opened the door, whether I meant to or not, whether I, don't, I didn't consciously do it, but I think through that, I opened the door to fear. Uh, and to worry and, and, at, and at that point I realised that what happened was is that I uh, unknowingly had really allowed something to come into my soul, into my spirit that was basically uh, really has then dogged me I think for at least a year um, and uh, what fundamentally happened I realised although I didn't really realise it at the time but I had begun to doubt the goodness of God very subtly, I'd begun to doubt the goodness of God. And that somehow that God was, uh, you know, I knew that, you know, as a Christian, I've been a Christian a long time. Uh, and when you've been a Christian a long time, you know the theory, don't you? You know that God is in control. Right? If anyone said, hands up, who thinks God's in control? Everyone's going to put their hands in the air. Right? If I said to you, hands up, who knows that God is good? Everyone will put their hands up in the air. But the reality is, is that we often behave and act differently to that truth. We do not live in the reality of that truth that God is good and that God is in control. 
And I realised that I began to live a life that was uh, dominated by worry and by fear. Um, and it just kind of steadily got a bit worse and a bit worse. And I'm not talking about like day to day. It was particularly around health issues. So I began to be really fretful, didn't I, about my tooth. I was always sort of thinking about my tooth, whether it was going to get better, you know, is the infection coming back? I used to kind of like kind of over-medicate for things, you know, because I think sometimes I made things a bit worse because I was almost worrying about whether or not it was infected or not. Um, and it began to affect uh, the way I saw my family and my friends. Um, I remember, um, uh, you know, uh, Gemma being ill when we were staying with them, uh, and I remember that began to really worry me uh, and really affect me. And I was really like, stealing; it was it was stealing my joy. Do you know what I mean? Where where fear begins to steal your joy, and you're realising that you're actually going to bed worried. Now, that is not an experience which I have grown up with. Now, for some of you, that may have been an experience which has been a part of your life, but it wasn't part of my life. Um, and I remember Richard, when Richard got ill, this time, uh, it was just before Christmas, Richard got ill, and I remember being really unnaturally unnerved by that and really worried about him. And I remember Pat saying to me, you care about my brother more than I do. Um, you seem to have more interest. And it wasn't so much that I was being altruistic, it was that it was worry. It was fear that was gripping my soul. It reached a, a point, I think, uh, its worst point, uh, just after Christmas. Nathan uh, got, started to get headaches, um, and he had, a, he had a bug, didn't he, a rash. Remember that rash? And he woke up in the middle. It was just, hor- it was just a horrible little experience. Um, and then he started to get headaches every day, uh, every morning, and never, ever Google symptoms can I just suggest, we've all done it, but don't ever do it, right? Because basically the answer to everything is cancer, right? Okay, that is, you read it and somewhere it says, yeah, it will just read it, you know, you, you've got a, you know, I don't know, what if it, you, you've got a cold, a runny nose, but it could be something really, really serious, you know. And of course, when, you're, when you've opened the door of your soul to worry, that's straight where you go right? And that's where you're living. And I remember it started to, I was so worried about it, it actually started to rob me of sleep to the point where um, I was like waking up like really early in the morning, wasn't I? Um, and I just couldn't get back to sleep, um, which anyone that know, well, none of you have slept with me apart from Helen. Um, maybe Pat has uh, over the years, but basically I'm not a problem. I don't have struggles to sleep, right? It's not a thing that affects me. But it was, do you see, it was beginning to affect me more and more and more. Uh, and, and I realised, and, and God, there, there was a point um, uh, where I realised that I was beginning to struggle just inside myself to find any sense of freedom and joy. Any sense of really being able to live as God had intended me to live. I mean, I was getting through, don't get me wrong, but I was coping, right? Anyone, do you know, you know that kind of experience, like... I was all right on the surface. I could do what I could do. But there was this thing that was dogging me. And particularly in an evening when I'd go to bed uh, or an evening or if you, you know, those quiet moments and you suddenly worry, what if? And I realised it began to, it was particularly around health, what if so-and-so gets sick? What if that happens? What if that happens? And there came a point, and it must have been around March time, I can't remember when it was, (coughs) this year, and I just had to cry out to God Right, I really had to cry out to God in my heart, and I remember. You right there, Fred? <laughs> nice one. <laughs> um, 
There is indeed, Fred. Absolutely right. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm the chief. Um, <coughs> uh, but I realised I had to cry out to God. Uh, and I began to really... Scr- I remember I, I was... I'm not a particularly emotional person, but I was on my bed um, and I was really crying out to the Lord and saying, Lord, I just can't deal with this any longer. I need you to deal with this in me. Uh, and, and God did and God came. But I realised that there's still, there was still something more that God wanted to deal with me. And that was really... And this is where I want us to get to this morning. God wants to fundamentally bring us into a deeper experience of his goodness. Because when you understand, really, that God is good, it provides a foundation to your life which transforms the way that you live. It transforms the way you process everything. It's a bit like putting on a pair of glasses. I don't wear glasses. Uh, Many people in the room do wear glasses. Um, If you put on glasses, (coughs) it changes (coughs) the way that you see everything. It changes the way you see everything. And when you see the world through the lens of God's goodness, it changes the way that you see life. It changes the way you see things inside of yourself. It changes the way you see things in other people. And you realise, do you know what? Because we all know for dead certain, don't we, that life serves up all right, a bad set of hands. You know, sometimes you, you have to play the cards you are dealt, don't you? And in life, sometimes you get aces, right? And sometimes you get rubbish cards. And you have got to just play the hand that you're dealt. And I cannot promise you here this morning that the life that we live will be nice, easy, full of roses, that you're not going to get sick, that your family members are not going to get sick, that as Zaina found, that suddenly you're going to walk into work Friday afternoon and someone's going to turn around and say, thanks very much, there's not a job anymore. I cannot promise you any of those things. Jesus does not promise you any of those things. What Jesus promises is that he is good. And that he is unwaveringly good. And that he is in control. And when we come to a deeper understanding of the goodness of God, it changes the way that we process the world. And I believe that God wants us to come this morning into that experience. So I'd like us to read, if you will, with me, uh, Psalm 34. And we're going to spend uh, basically most of this morning's message just dwelling in this wonderful passage of Scripture. Um, and so we're going to read uh, verses 1 to 8 together. If you have a Bible, turn to it and stay in it, because that's where we're going to stay. And David uh, very kindly uh, spoke much of the message this morning. Well done, David. Um, uh, but let's, let's read this together. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all. He delivered me from some of my fears. No, no, it doesn't say that. He delivered me from a few of my fears. doesn't say that. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. The poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those that fear him, and delivers them. And this is the key verse. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. 
Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. If the devil is going to get a foothold in your life, it's going to be this way. He is going to undermine the, the belief that God is good. Because once, as I said, once you stop believing that God is good, you're open to all kinds of things. And that's what happened to me. And I realised that was the doorway that allowed all of the other fear and all of the other worry that came in. And I believe this morning that there are people in this room that whether they intended to, I didn't intend to, but whether through circumstance or through life's cards that you've been dealt, there is a part of you that questions in your heart, is God really good? Is God really good? And so your life is slightly unstable in places. Because when you are uncertain as to whether God is good, it means that you cannot be fully confident that whatever happens, God is still for you. Amen? And so this morning, I believe that God wants us to come into an experience of oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You see, when we talk about God's goodness, we can look at it three ways. Uh, we could say that God is good. It's kind of an attribute. He does good things, much like saying Tim is six foot two tall. It's an attribute. I am uh, ruggedly handsome. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, It's an attribute, all right? Like God, we could say that God is good. It's a definition. Therefore, everything God does is good. Uh, everything he thinks is good. Everything, every decision he makes is good. But it's also an experience to experience the goodness of God. And it is all three. And David is saying, I want you to understand here, guys. When I'm writing, when he's singing this psalm, he's saying, you are good. Everything about you is good. Your, your whole being is good. What you do is good. My experience of you is good. Everything about you is good. And that's what God wants to, to bring us into this morning. You see, because, you know, that word says, oh, oh. You know, I don't know if you ever say, oh. My kids say, oh, Right? They say, oh, in two ways. Either when they've done something wrong or when they really, really want something. Oh, please. And David here is saying, oh. You know, there's this kind of a longing, this emotion to experience and enjoy what he is enjoying. It's like, it's always a really passionate expression. Oh, taste and see. Oh, can't get it. Oh, get it. And, you know, uh, the words taste and see are both sensory, aren't they? They're, they're two of our five senses. To taste and to see are two of our five senses. And so David is clearly su suggesting that we are to experience, to taste God's goodness and to see his goodness. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm a lover of chocolate. Are you a lover of chocolate? <clears throat> no? Sorry, who, who are you? <clears throat> um, not really. Is this just, just me then? I was going to say, it's weird. Yeah, all right, okay. I, I love chocolate. I have to say, I do love chocolate. My favourite type of chocolate is the, uh, you know, the Belgium, like, gui, I don't know what they're called, Guyen, Guyen, the little seashells that you get. All right, don't, don't give me a box of them. Not your favourite, Esther. No, no, no? No, that's good. Horrible. <clears throat> Esther, there's the door. No. I'm a cheap, not real kind of person, right, okay? Right, my, my experience of chocolate is minimal, right? But I see that box of chocolates, and I know that they are good. I taste them, and I know that they are good. And so if someone says to me, do you, do you want uh, a chocolate? I'm like, mm, yes, I do. Do you, do you want a, uh, whatever, what are they called? Guillaume. 
Gillian, Gillian, do you want a Gillian chocolate? I'm like, yes, yes I do, thank you very much. Uh, because I have tasted and I have seen, and so it is so important, and this is why, that when you, when you are faced with life, if you have come into that experience of tasting and seeing the goodness of God in your life, your reaction will be, the moment you see things happen, the moment life is happening, you say, oh, I, I just, I know that God is good. It has to be experienced. It cannot just be a head knowledge. If your head knowledge of God's goodness is basically, I know it to be true, and that's all I know, then you are missing something. They are not in the fullness of what David is talking about in this psalm. I want you to come into a deeper experience of his goodness. And so I want us just to think about uh, this this psalm, and I want us just to look at a few verses in it, um, to ask the question, what happens when we experience the goodness of God? What happens? Well, first of all, we've already talked about this, right? Verse 4 says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me. And what does he do? He delivers me from all of my fears. The first thing that happens, when we come and we taste and see of the goodness of God, we will find that our fears go away. The more you see the goodness of God, the less fear you will have in your life. Do you believe that as a truth? The more that you taste God's goodness, the more you see his goodness, the less and less you will have fear in your life. The people that are bravest and boldest in this world, that are are Christian, that I've met, are the people that have the deepest understanding of God's goodness. Right? Much as it pains me to say, I respect Helen's parents. Right? Right? It's, it's very annoying, right? Because they are actually lo- really lovely people, right? And they have done all kinds of things. They were telling me stories, right? Um, like where, where they are um, stranded, like Peter was stranded halfway up the Mekong River uh, with no engine uh, and it's going dark and there's no way to get back and there's like no people around. Uh, and it's this amazing story of basically how God provides in those situations. And he's had like, they've got countless stories, but you know, whenever I hear one of them tell one of these stories, do you know what I'm struck by? He just doesn't worry about it. Because he doesn't really worry about it because he knows that God is good. Because over years and years, he has tasted and seen again and again and again that God is good. And so Peter and Ruth do all kinds of crazy things. He was driving up a mountain around Burma a couple of months ago uh, and, and they got out of the car and discovered that it was one rickety bolt left hanging the wheel on. There should have been four, right? Okay, and when they looked down, there was a thousand foot drop to their left, right? It's true, isn't it? Yeah? And, and, and this was only like six months ago. And, and they're just like, and so I'm like, so you're never going to Bhutan again? And they're like, no, no, we're going next year. You know, it's like their attitude is, I'm not driven by fear. I don't have fear because I trust in the goodness of God. I've tasted and I've seen it. And so this morning, if fear is a part of your life, if you are uncertain, if you are worried about what's going to happen to your family, if you are worried about what's going to happen in your own life, if you've got worried about health, let me tell you, the answer to that is really, really simple. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. The second thing that we see, and I, I love this, I just, I, I got this, I saw this in this passage, uh, and I, it says, those who look upon him are radiant. Those who look upon him are radiant. When you live in the experience of God's goodness, there will be something physically different about you. Do you believe that? <laughs> that you are physically, I, I don't know about you, but I, I've got some friends, and uh, <clears throat> 
uh, some of them are a bit negative. <laughs> and when you, you meet some of them, you look at them and they're just, their face is like, you know, and they're just, they're grumpy, aren't they? Like, joy on, yeah. They're just like, you're just so, but you meet people that are full of the goodness of God. And I tell you, there's something about their face, isn't there? There's something about the way they carry themselves that says, do you know what? I know God is good all of the time. And all of the time, God is good. And I want to tell you that I, I think that actually so often, so much stress we experience in our lives, the, the sense of, uh, uh, I mean, I, I'd love to know. I mean, I'm sure one day that they'll either figure it out medically or whatever. But the impact of things like stress and worry on our physical bodies is phenomenal. And they're only beginning to realise the impact of that kind of stuff. When you come into an experience of the goodness of God, I'm telling you, I think physically, you'll find that you will improve. <laughs> Honestly. I, I couldn't scientifically prove that, right? Okay, I'm not kind of claiming to be a doctor. But I think David's got something here. When you experience the goodness of God, those that look upon him are radiant. I'm not saying all your health problems are going to go away. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying there's something about you, isn't there? Have you met people like that? And you meet them and you just know, wow, you are just, there's something about you that just knows the goodness of God. So the second thing about knowing the goodness of God is a radiance of his spirit. It says, and their faces, verse 3, shall never be ashamed. When we experience and taste and see the goodness of God, there'll be no shame in our life. There'll be no sense of, oh dear, yeah, or maybe if people didn't know about you know, if people knew what I was really like, then, you know, oh dear, I just, mm. you know, I, I know it sounds really silly, but I have this problem. I had this problem even last week, and I realised I was under pressure thinking to myself, I'm just not good enough, right? If I need to be more spiritual, I need to be more, you know, maybe I should have prayed longer, and I should have done this. Now, I'm a bit of a self-evaluator and a bit kind of self-critical, right? That's who I am, right? That's my weakness, um, but I realised that it was basically taking away my joy. But when you come into an experience of the goodness of God, you realise this. God loves me as I am. God has made me the way that I am. God wants to change me for sure, but he's the one that does that. I don't need to stress and strain and struggle. But that comes out of an understanding of the goodness of God. Because when you understand that God is good, you know that he really, really loves you. Do you know what I mean? And so their faces shall not be ashamed. And, and I'll finish with this, right? Verse 7, I'll finish with this, finish this little section. Don't get, don't get too excited. <clears throat> the angel of the Lord encamps around those that fear him. I heard a sermon recently. We, um, some of us, was Miriam there? Miriam was there, wasn't it? Do you remember we went down to Devon and Dave Powell spoke about angels, right? And basically how angels are a real thing. There are lots of angels that are around. Those that live in the goodness of God, those that fear God, are encamped around by angels. I'm not going to say that I understand that, right? I'm just going to put it out there, right? But we live, when we fear God, when we are following God, I believe that it just, the scripture here says, right, the angel of the Lord encamps around those that, that fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You see, so there's so many reasons for us to believe and to build our life on the goodness of God, isn't there? So many reasons, and I'm sure this is just, I'm just picking these out of this psalm, okay? So how then, the question might be, well, how do I move into an experience of tasting and seeing that the Lord is good? 
right? Do what I need. What is what I need a theological degree? Do I need to understand the attributes of God's goodness? Do I need to go away and do an online study course? The answer is no. You do not need more information about God, right? All that you need for this, for this, the purpose of this exercise is the scripture. It's all you need, right? But here we see it in verse 1. What is it that we need to do in order to enter into the goodness of God? First of all, it says this. I will bless the Lord at all times. My praise shall continually be in my mouth. Firstly, there's a necessity of personal praise. Did you wake up this morning and say, Jesus, God, I thank you that you are good. I'm going to praise you because you, I'm just going to give you all the glory and all the praise. I thank you for my family. I thank you for my life. I thank you for my breath. I thank you for my friends. I thank you for my job. I thank you for the things that are not going well. I praise you. I praise you. I could read the scripture and thank you for every single line on it. If you read the word of God and you seek to thank God, you will find yourself so many reasons to praise God in the word. Right? We need to become people who basically make it a habit to continually praise God. I think that's what you were talking about, wasn't it? Let, let me tell you, when, you are, when your energy and your mind and your voice is focused on praising God, there is no space for all of the other stuff. It's just really simple, right? When you come and you are spending your time in prayer focused on the glory of God, on his goodness, on everything about him, there's no space for worry to flood into your soul. Do you, do you, it's really simple. It's like a really practical thing. Right? When you devote your words towards God, there's no space for you to be overflooded by other worry. And that's what, that's what I think David understood. That was a principle that David understood in the Psalms over and over again. I need to commit myself to being a person of praise. Is that your life this morning? I'd love to ask Saina, I won't, right, whether when she drove home on Friday afternoon, her mouth was full of praise. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying, I don't answer that question. Because um, I know, truthfully, many times in my life, my life is not full of praise. I am not living out this verse, I will bless the Lord at all times. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. That's in the good times, in the bad times, in the boring times. In the easy times, in the happy times, I am blessing the Lord all times. And, and I realise that what you and I need to do if we are to experience and taste and see in the goodness of God is make, become habitually praising people. You are never going to lack for things to praise God for, are you? Never. Amen. So this morning, Grace, I walked in this morning, didn't you, Grace? And bear in mind, her husband's in hospital. And do you know what came out of Grace's mouth? Praise the Lord. Right, praise the Lord, he's in hospital and he's getting better. Praise the Lord, <laughs> and he's getting better. So praise the Lord, praise the Lord, I've been able to come to church this morning. Praise you for my son. She made three expressions of praise. And I think that's so important. And I want to challenge us this morning. Are you a person of praise? The second thing that we see in this passage that is a way for us to experience and taste and see the goodness of God is found in verse 3. David invites people to praise with him oh magnify the lord with me let us exalt his name together i don't know about you but i experienced the sense of the power of god amongst us this morning could you hear it in the singing you can hear it in the volume right 
There is something very powerful and very dynamic when people praise together. You know, we are likely to encounter and taste and see the goodness of God when we praise him together. And one of the things we were talking a lot about over the weekend, wasn't it? As worship leaders, our responsibility is to encourage us as a church to praise. Right? We cannot be responsible for whether God moves mightily in power and we all fall on our faces and we're all weeping before the Lord. Right? Well, I've, I can't manage that as a worship leader. But what I can do is I can praise the Lord. I can encourage us as a church to keep praising and keep praising God and continually blessing him and doing it together. So if you want to taste and see of the goodness of God, when we walk there, why do you think it's so important to come to church every Sunday? Because you walk in here and your head is like all over the place. You, you've forgotten the first one. You're not, you're not blessing the Lord at all times. Your praise is not continued in his mouth. But you come into this place and you exalt his name together. And as, is it how many times have we experienced this? I, I, did, I came into church... I was in the presence of the Lord with the people of God. We were praising his name together and I felt the goodness of God touch my soul. Amen? And we need to make it a habit. I want us to become a church that focuses on praise. And lastly here, it says in verse 4, I sought the Lord and he answered me. There is a necessity of personal seeking of God. You know, we need to praise him every minute if we can or as, as often as we can. We need to praise him when we come together. But we also need to be people that seek the Lord. If you want to know a deeper experience of the goodness of God, you need to find it alone with God. You need to find it in that place of rest and peace when you alone are sitting with the Lord and you might only have a few verses of scripture. But you're sitting there, Lord, I want to just ask you to come and I want to praise you and I just want you to come and minister to me and I want to bless you with everything I've got. You know, it's really simple, isn't it? It's really simple. And I just want to finish with one last point and then I'd like us to really sing and praise and worship together if we can. Oh, Hannah's disappeared, so that's not going to work, but I'll, I can play, it's fine. Um, it's this, do not try and do biblical mathematics or, or what God's goodness mathematics, right? Right? Uh, yeah, if you, yeah, if you can. Yeah. What I mean is, is that, you know, you can say, well, uh, this bad thing has happened uh, and, it, and therefore that means that God must be good to me in, in this way. You know, like, so I've had this much bad stuff and therefore God needs to weigh it up with this much good stuff. And even though I can't quite see what the good stuff is, I'm sure that somehow it's figuring it out. And you see situations in people where they're trying to figure out how basically they can, God's going to kind of weigh up the scales, right? This, all this bad stuff's happened to me, right? Why is God not good? Can I just tell you, it just doesn't work. The number of times that in life, the number of things that happen that you do not understand will far outweigh the times that you can see God's goodness in that situation. That's the reality. There's not some magic answer to like why, you know, if your God is going to be good and you're going to suddenly see it all just come back to you one day. Do you know what I mean by that? Is that just me? Do you understand that experience? And you say, I don't understand why this has happened. Don't understand. I mean, I'll be honest, all my tooth stuff, I could say, oh, well, God's really good. It's all really come round. Mark's illness. Why has Mark got sick with pneumonia and been off work for six weeks? don't know. Have you radically transformed, Mark? Has the Lord magically met you? <laughs> not particularly. No, Alice thinks not. <laughs> Joyce has been in hospital again this week. Why? I don't know. There's no simple answer, is there? 
But we know, like, why, why is, has Conrad been ill for so long? We don't know. Has it worked out somehow magically? That it, or not, I shouldn't keep using the word magically, should I? But um, <clears throat> it, hasn't, it hasn't just kind of come around. You know what I mean? We can sometimes want to play biblical mathematics. We can sort of say, oh, well, if these bad things have happened, then God must, um, it must work out perfectly in this way. Let me just tell you, that is not how you will understand the goodness of God. The goodness of God says, I do not understand, but I will trust and I will obey. That is the only way that you will understand. If you try and figure out how somehow God's goodness is going to come back round to you in life, you will find yourself disappointed, frustrated and angry with God. The only way to understand the goodness of God is to trust him completely. So I'd like, us to, I'd like to invite you to stand this morning, if you can. Um, and then we're going to, I, I'm just going to pray for us. And then we're going to sing. And we're going to sing this song. I really like that song, I Raise a Hallelujah. Right?